Chapter Twenty of Astoria, or Anecdotes of an Enterprise Beyond the Rocky Mountains, by Washington Irving. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Features of the Wilderness, Herds of Buffalo, Antelopes, Their Varieties and Habits, John Day, His Hunting Strategy, Interview with Three Arikras, Negotiations Between the Rival Parties, The Left Handed and the Big Man, Two Arikra Chiefs. Arikra village, its inhabitants, ceremonials on landing, a council lodge, grand conference, speech of Lisa, negotiation for horses, shrewd suggestion of gray eyes and Arikra chief, encampment of the trading parties. The rival parties now coasted along the opposite sides of the river, within sight of each other, the barges of Mr. Hunt always keeping some distance in the advance lest lisa should push on and get first to the arikra village the scenery and objects as they proceeded gave evidence that they were advancing deeper and deeper into the domains of savage nature boundless wastes kept extending to the eye more and more animated by herds of buffalo sometimes these unwieldy animals were seen moving in long procession across the silent landscape at other times they were scattered about singly or in groups on the broad enameled prairies and green acclivities some cropping the rich pasturage others reclining amidst the flowery herbage the whole scene realizing in a manner the old scriptural descriptions of the vast pastoral countries of the orient with cattle upon a thousand hills at one place the shores seemed absolutely lined with buffaloes many were making their way across the stream snorting and blowing and floundering numbers in spite of every effort were borne by the rapid current within shot of the boats and several were killed at another place a number were descried on the beach of a small island under the shade of the trees or standing in the water like cattle to avoid the flies in the heat of the day several of the best marksmen stationed themselves in the bow of a barge which advanced slowly and silently stemming the current with the aid of a broad sail and a fair breeze the buffaloes stood gazing quietly at the barge as it approached perfectly unconscious of their danger the fattest of the herd was selected by the hunters who all fired together and brought down their victim besides the buffaloes they saw abundance of deer and frequent gangs of stately elks together with light troops of sprightly antelopes the fleetest and most beautiful inhabitants of the prairies there are two kinds of antelopes in these regions one nearly the size of the common deer the other not much larger than a goat their color is a light gray or rather dun slightly spotted with white and they have small horns like those of the deer which they never shed nothing can surpass the delicate and elegant finish of their limbs in which lightness elasticity and strength are wonderfully combined all the attitudes and movements of this beautiful animal are graceful and picturesque and it is altogether as fit a subject for the fanciful uses of the poet as the oft-sung gazelle of the east their habits are shy and capricious they keep on the open plains and are quick to take the alarm and bound away with a fleetness that defies pursuit when thus skimming across a prairie in the autumn their light gray or dun color blends with the hue of the withered herbage the swiftness of their motion baffles the eye and they almost seem unsubstantial forms driven like gossamer before the wind while they thus keep to the open plain and trust to their speed they are safe 
but they have a prurient curiosity that sometimes betrays them to their ruin when they have scud for some distance and left their pursuer behind they will suddenly stop and turn to gaze at the object of their alarm if the pursuit is not followed up they will after a time yield to their inquisitive hankering and return to the place from whence they have been frightened john day the veteran hunter already mentioned displayed his experience and skill in entrapping one of these beautiful animals taking advantage of its well-known curiosity he laid down flat among the grass and putting his handkerchief on the end of his ramrod waved it gently in the air this had the effect of the fabled fascination of the rattlesnake the antelope approached timidly pausing and reconnoitering with increased curiosity moving round the point of attraction in a circle but still drawing nearer and nearer until being within range of the deadly rifle he fell a victim to his curiosity on the tenth of june as the party were making brisk progress with a fine breeze they met a canoe with three indians descending the river they came to a parley and brought news from the arikra village the war party which had caused such alarm at the sandbar had reached the village some days previously announced the approach of the party of traders and displayed with great ostentation the presents they had received from them on further conversation with these three indians mr hunt learned the real danger which he had run when hemmed up within the sandbar the mandans who were of the war party when they saw the boat so completely entrapped and apparently within their power had been eager for attacking it and securing so rich a prize the minatares also were nothing loath feeling in some measure committed in hostility to the whites in consequence of their tribe having killed two white men above the fort of the missouri fur company fortunately the arikras who formed the majority of the war party proved true in their friendship to the whites and prevented any hostile act otherwise a bloody affray and perhaps a horrible massacre might have ensued on the eleventh of june mr hunt and his companions encamped near an island about six miles below the rickra village mr lisa encamped as usual at no great distance but the same sullen jealous reserve and non-intercourse continued between them shortly after pitching the tents mr breckinridge made his appearance as an ambassador from the rival camp he came on behalf of his companions to arrange the manner of making their entrance into the village and of receiving the chiefs for everything of the kind is a matter of grave ceremonial among the indians the partners now expressed frankly their deep distrust of the intentions of mr lisa and their apprehensions that out of the jealousy of trade and resentment of recent disputes he might seek to instigate the arikras against them mr breckinridge assured them that their suspicions were entirely groundless and pledged himself that nothing of the kind should take place he found it difficult however to remove their distrust the conference therefore ended without producing any cordial understanding and mcclellan recurred to his old threat of shooting lisa the instant he discovered anything like treachery in his proceedings that night the rain fell in torrents accompanied by thunder and lightning the camp was deluged and the bedding and baggage drenched all hands embarked at an early hour and set forward for the village about nine o'clock when half-way they met a canoe on board of which were two arikra dignitaries 
one a fine-looking man much above the common size was hereditary chief of the village he was called the left-handed on account of a personal peculiarity the other a ferocious-looking savage was the war chief or generalissimo he was known by the name of the big man an appellation he well deserved from his size for he was of a gigantic frame both were of fairer complexion than is usual with savages they were accompanied by an interpreter a french creole one of those haphazard whites of gallic origin who abound upon our frontiers living among the indians like one of their own race he had been twenty years among the ericras had a squaw and troop of piebald children and officiated as interpreter to the chiefs through this worthy organ the two dignitaries signified to mr hunt their sovereign intention to oppose the further progress of the expedition up the river unless a boat were left to trade with them mr hunt in reply explained the object of his voyage and his intention of debarking at their village and proceeding thence by land and that he would willingly trade with them for a supply of horses for his journey with this explanation they were perfectly satisfied and putting about steered for their village to make preparations for the reception of the strangers the village of the rickras rickras or rickeries for the name is thus variously written is between the forty-sixth and forty-seventh parallels of north latitude and fourteen hundred and thirty miles above the mouth of missouri the party reached it about ten o'clock in the morning but landed on the opposite side of the river where they spread out their baggage and effects to dry from hence they commanded an excellent view of the village it was divided into two portions about eighty yards apart being inhabited by two distinct bands the whole extended about three-quarters of a mile along the river-bank and was composed of conical lodges that looked like so many hillocks being wooden frames intertwined with osier and covered with earth the plain beyond the village swept up into hills of considerable height but the whole country was nearly destitute of trees while they were regarding the village they beheld a singular fleet coming down the river it consisted of a number of canoes each made of a single buffalo hide stretched on sticks so as to form a kind of circular trough each one was navigated by a single squaw who knelt in the bottom and paddled towing after her frail bark a bundle of floating wood intended for firing this kind of canoe is in frequent use among the indians the buffalo hide being readily made up into a bundle and transported on horseback it is very serviceable in conveying baggage across the rivers the great number of horses grazing round the village and scattered over the neighbouring hills and valleys bespoke the equestrian habit of the ericras who are admirable horsemen indeed in the number of his horses consists the wealth of an indian of the prairies who resembles an arab in his passion for this noble animal and in his adroitness in the management of it after a time the voice of the sovereign chief the left-handed was heard across the river announcing that the council lodge was preparing and inviting the white men to come over the river was half a mile in width yet every word uttered by the chieftain was heard this may be partly attributed to the distinct manner in which every syllable of the compound words in the indian language is articulated and accented but in truth a savage warrior might often rival achilles himself for force of lungs now came the delicate point of management 
how the two rival parties were to conduct their visit to the village with proper circumspection and due decorum neither of the leaders had spoken to each other since their quarrel all communication had been by ambassadors seeing the jealousy entertained of lisa mr breckinridge in his negotiation had arranged that a deputation from each party should cross the river at the same time so that neither would have the first access to the ear of the Ericras. the distrust of lisa however had increased in proportion as they approached the sphere of action and mcclellan in particular kept a vigilant eye upon his motions swearing to shoot him if he attempted to cross the river first about two o'clock the large boat of mr hunt was manned and he stepped on board accompanied by messrs mackenzie and mcclellan lisa at the same time embarked in his barge the two deputations amounted in all to fourteen persons and never was any movement of rival potentates conducted with more wary exactness they landed amidst a rabble crowd and were received on the bank by the left-handed chief who conducted them into the village with grave courtesy driving to the right and left the swarms of old squaws imp-like boys and vagabond dogs with which the place abounded they wound their way between the cabins which looked like dirt heaps huddled together without any plan and surrounded by old palisades all filthy in the extreme and redolent of villainous smells at length they arrived at the council lodge it was somewhat spacious and formed of four forked trunks of trees placed upright supporting cross-beams and a frame of poles interwoven with osiers and the whole covered with earth a hole sunken in the centre formed the fireplace and immediately above was a circular hole in the apex of the lodge to let out the smoke and let in the daylight around the lodge were recesses for sleeping like the berths on board ships screened from view by curtains of dressed skins at the upper end of the lodge was a kind of hunting and warlike trophy consisting of two buffalo heads garishly painted surmounted by shields bows quivers of arrows and other weapons on entering the lodge the chief pointed to mats or cushions which had been placed around for the strangers and on which they seated themselves while he placed himself on a kind of stool an old man then came forward with the pipe of peace or good fellowship lighted and handed it to the chief and then falling back squatted himself near the door the pipe was passed from mouth to mouth each one taking a whiff which is equivalent to the inviolable pledge of faith of taking salt together among the ancient britons the chief then made a sign to the old pipe-bearer who seemed to fill likewise the station of herald seneschal and public crier for he ascended to the top of the lodge to make proclamation here he took his post beside the aperture for the emission of smoke and the admission of light the chief dictated from within what he was to proclaim and he bawled it forth with a force of lungs that resounded over all the village in this way he summoned the warriors and great men to council every now and then reporting progress to his chief through the hole in the roof in a little while the braves and sages began to enter one by one as their names were called or announced emerging from under the buffalo robe suspended over the entrance instead of a door stalking across the lodge to the skins placed on the floor and crouching down on them in silence 
in this way twenty entered and took their seats forming an assemblage worthy of the pencil for the Arikras are a noble race of men large and well formed and maintain a savage grandeur and gravity of demeanour in their solemn ceremonials all being seated the old seneschal prepared the pipe of ceremony or council and having lit it handed it to the chief he inhaled the sacred smoke gave a puff upward to the heaven then downward to the earth then towards the east after this it was as usual passed from mouth to mouth each holding it respectfully until his neighbour had taken several whiffs and now the grand council was considered as opened in due form the chief made a harangue welcoming the white men to his village and expressing his happiness in taking them by the hand as friends but at the same time complaining of the poverty of himself and his people the usual prelude among indians to begging or hard bargaining lisa rose to reply and the eyes of hunt and his companions were eagerly turned upon him those of mcclellan glaring like a basilisk's he began by the usual expressions of friendship and then proceeded to explain the object of his own party those persons however said he pointing to mr hunt and his companions are of a different party and are quite distinct in their views but added he though we are separate parties we make but one common cause when the safety of either is concerned any injury or insult offered to them i shall consider as done to myself and will resent it accordingly i trust therefore that you will treat them with the same friendship that you have always manifested for me doing everything in your power to serve them and to help them on their way the speech of lisa delivered with an air of frankness and sincerity agreeably surprised and disappointed the rival party mr hunt then spoke declaring the object of his journey to the great salt lake beyond the mountains and that he should want horses for the purpose for which he was ready to trade having brought with him plenty of goods both he and lisa concluded their speeches by making presents of tobacco the left-handed chieftain in reply promised his friendship and aid to the newcomers and welcomed them to his village he added that they had not the number of horses to spare that mr hunt required and expressed a doubt whether they should be able to part with any upon this another chieftain called gray eyes made a speech and declared that they could readily supply mr hunt with all the horses he might want since if they had not enough in the village they could easily steal more this honest expedient immediately removed the main difficulty but the chief deferred all trading for a day or two until he should have time to consult with his subordinate chiefs as to market rates for the principal chief of a village in conjunction with his council usually fixes the prices at which articles shall be bought and sold and to them the village must conform the council now broke up mr hunt transferred his camp across the river at a little distance below the village and the left-handed chief placed some of his warriors as a guard to prevent the intrusion of any of his people the camp was pitched on the river bank just above the boats the tents and the men wrapped in their blankets and bivouacking on skins in the open air surrounded the baggage at night four sentinels also kept watch within sight of each other outside of the camp until midnight when they were relieved by four others who mounted guard until daylight mr lisa encamped near to mr hunt between him and the village 
the speech of mr lisa in the council had produced a pacific effect in the encampment though the sincerity of his friendship and goodwill towards the new company still remained matter of doubt he was no longer suspected of an intention to play false the intercourse between the two leaders was therefore resumed and the affairs of both parties went on harmoniously End of chapter twenty